Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today, I have a special guest, Lane Kawoka. Lane, how's it going? Hey, Mark. How's it going? Did I say that right? You did. Okay. So, Lane. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Tell us, uh, you have a unique last name. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, uh, how you got started in real estate, and where you are now. So, I went to uh, college at University of Washington and uh, for engineering. Went to work as an engineer. Worked on the road for five years uh, at a railroad company uh, based out of Texas there. Uh, but was able to save a lot of money, and I bought my first private residence, and then I realized how dumb it was to live there when I was only home on Saturday. So then I started renting it out. So in a way, I was got my start as an accidental landlord, and I realized, like, wow, like, look at all this difference between the cash flow and the mortgage. And I just, you know, that, that's when I just started devouring books and podcasts, and then I saved up for another rental in Seattle. It's all in Seattle. But then in 2012, as the market started to rebound, I didn't get any cash flow as you do in any primary market uh, with all the foreign investors up there these days. And you just can't find anything that cash flows. So then I did a 1031 and I bought 11 single-family homes out of state in uh, Birmingham, Atlanta, and Indianapolis. And that's kind of where I'm at today and transitioning to multifamily apartments because I started networking and joining mentor groups and, you know, everybody was saying the same thing that, you know, the single family home wasn't the way to go. And, you know, we all, we, we all thought we were going to get rich, but then we just realized we just created headaches at a couple hundred bucks of cash flow per rental. <laughs> so that's why I'm heading to the multifamily world. Okay. So talk a little bit about, um, tell me a little bit about that first home. Was it a single family? Was it a duplex, triplex or something like that? Or? Yeah, it was a single family, it was probably an A minus A class. And this is something that a computer programmer making $150,000 a few years ago was making live there. Um, Just right on the outskirts of Seattle? <laughs> Right, in, a, in an excellent neighborhood. I mean, heck, the place I live in now isn't as nice as that place. <laughs> so it's incredibly the worst rental to buy. You know, it was about $350,000 back in 2009. Today, you'd probably buy it for four fifty, even 500 and your rent would probably be about 2500 so about hmm. half a percent if you're going looking at the rent-to-value ratio. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, tell us a, tell us a little bit about the 1031. I didn't know I didn't know about this. So you can't you bought a uh, essentially a single family portfolio, or you 1031 into a portfolio of homes in multiple markets. Is that correct? Well, actually, I, I at that time I was buying through turnkey um, providers, and I had two homes in Seattle, which I had about two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars of equity. So I sold those. I actually did two simultaneous 1031s. I sold the first property and I bought five homes and I and I sold the second property and I bought four homes. 
Ah. So this is all in a stretch of six months. So, um, you know, it, I, I kind of got a little stuck there, you know, buying properties at the end because people knew I had to close on properties. So, you know, I, in, in some way I got extorted on the last, last one because the guy knew I needed to close. <laughs> he just said the price is $5,000 more and I just had to pay it. Huh. So which uh, turnkey providers did you work with? And I would assume since there were mo- different markets that, that you worked with different turnkey providers. Yeah, so the turnkey world is built on, uh, it was, there's sort of three layers. There's the actual turnkey provider. That's the guy actually doing the rehab work. And um, they don't really have the uh, the firepower or the people or the overhead to go after the and market. So they use marketers, and these are the guys with the podcast. These are the guys with the rich dad, poor dad, cash flow games out in a lot of places like California or Seattle. A lot of the the markets where you can't find cash flow. You know, they're marketing for for buyers, and the the marketers will take the inventory from the turnkey providers, mark it up, or have a referral fee or some way to get paid. And that's usually how us on the West Coast or people on the East Coast who have a lot of money but no access to good cash flow buy these deals. I, you know, I bought my first property through a marketer, and I didn't really see any value to them. Uh, you know, you go through the process, you go through due diligence, and you try and, you know, you go through the punch list and negotiate with the seller. And I, I found that that marketer really was more interested in their relationship with the turkey provider than with me, their actual client. So then I realized that I need to get rid of these guys because there's just extra middlemen there. And I tried to go to the turkey provider, but it just seemed like, you know, they just had a little bit too much power in terms of negotiating. Um, you know, they, they worked there are other clients, you know, who are very uneducated or unsophisticated in what they're doing, and they could pretty much just charge you a hundred, hundred ten percent of the retail price, and people would pay it. So, you know, after my first few properties, I kind of got smart and just found my own brokers and created my own teams, and you know, I mm-hmm. found that was a happy sweet spot in the middle. Ah, okay. So you ditched the turnkey providers. Right, but not yeah. saying I, I, you know, on my on my podcast, I always tell people to get started with either a marketer or turnkey provider. You know, at the very least, you're paying sure. retail and retail plus. But hey, you know, you're still make, doing a lot better than the stock market. Yeah, that's a good good end to get you get you going in a market and uh, you know learn the ropes, so to speak. Well, uh, how so? Do you still own those properties today? Uh, the Seattle properties are long gone, but the uh, the Birmingham the single family home, yeah, those are that's kind of my cushion to go after bigger and better things. You know, I talk about on my podcast the the pyramid of wealth building. I see the the single family home rental as the base of that pyramid, and it allows me, um, you know, if I did lose my job, that I could still pay the bills, and it allows me to go after you know more home runs in these larger assets and doing syndication projects. Yeah. It's your it, security. Right. Well, I'm actually um, moving back to Hawaii now. Um, you know, with it being a seller's market, as you know, I mean, it's just tough to find deals these days. 
and a great place to be patient in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, surfs up. Um, yeah. So, are so are you? Just kind of a side question: Are you quitting your job and then living off that income and moving to Hawaii, or or st- are you still going to be an engineer in Hawaii? I'm still going to be an engineer in Hawaii, but unfortunately, the the pay in in Hawaii is a lot less, probably about twenty to thirty percent less. So mm. it, it is a pay cut, but you know that's why you that's why I started investing in these rentals, so I had the ability to quit my job or at least go part time or take a big pay cut. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about your podcast and how your podcast um, has has helped uh, boost your business today. Yeah. So I started the Simple Passive Cash Flow podcast uh, probably about a year ago. You know, I, I was never good at writing articles, and you know, being an engineer, my um, doesn't come out as English from what I what people tell me. And, you know, they they always say, you know, pick your best media. So Gary Vaynerchuk always says, you know, between audio writing or you know, YouTube videos, you know, mine's with audio and I like audio because you can edit it and, you know, it comes out clean and it's going to be there forever. Um, originally I made it because, you know, one day, you know, if I have kids and, you know, it'd be some sort of an archive for them. And that's really all that started out and, I wanted to help people get started and I wanted them to see the beginning part of it. You know, when I was tinkering around with these single family homes and not really knowing what I was doing, I, I think people like that authentic and raw side of a, you know, a podcast. You know, I, I try to encourage other investors who don't have huge portfolios to come on my podcast too these days because that's what really inspires people to get started, you know. I mean that was why that was one of the things that got me going on my next journey to multifamily. I was like, wow, that guy's doing it. <laughs> He's not that smart, you know. I can do it too, right? I mean, I think we all tell us ourselves that at some point if we're taking a big step. So, what's your biggest challenge right now uh, when it comes to to uh, taking down an apartment community? I think my biggest challenge is spinning a bunch of plates and a lot of plates that I shouldn't spin. I mean, the, uh, you know, the, as an investor, calling brokers, looking for deals, you know, it shouldn't take more than an hour or two every day. You know, a lot of things are passive, you know, you're in, you're in the uh, inbox of a lot of brokers and you're going to get sent deals as the deals come out. And then you go home in the evenings and you get all your screens up on your computer and you just analyze them real quick and knock it out. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a set time in a week, you know, a few hours a week. That's really all it should take. There's really not that many apartment complexes out there, but the problem I have is balancing the podcast and all these other extracurricular activities and all these mm. other ideas I have, um, you know, like internet marketing, I'm sure, you know, you've got a podcast and that's just a huge rat hole and we of a, of a time suck, mm-hmm. and, and there's just trying to decide what's your highest in return on investment. I think that's my heart, my my biggest thing these days that I still struggle yeah. with. What what markets are you looking for deals in? So I'm in a apartment mentoring group out of Texas, and that's where the majority of investors are. And I I do recognize it, that Texas is probably the best market this this day and age with 
all the firms leaving uh, all the more expensive places like California and coming to Dallas and and uh, that whole Texas triangle is just on fire. Um, but I'm more looking for, you know, using my, my contacts in Birmingham and Atlanta and going to those markets. I, I've kind of got this uh, thought in my head that it's, you know, there's deals everywhere. You just have to, you know, build your network and build relationships to catch them. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's students picking up properties in Denver, of all places, and you would think, you know, Denver's sort of like a Seattle, more of a primary market where there's no cash flow, but hey, you know, there's deals everywhere. Yeah. Now, do you feel that, do you feel that you can make, you can make money and buy good assets, good cash flowing assets and um, make a profit in any, in any, you know, I'm not going to say any market, but any secondary market. I know we have secondary markets here, such as, um, a Midland, Odessa, uh, Colleen, um, a Tyler, Texas. I'm just, just kind of thinking. But then you have secondary markets on a national scale, like Birmingham. I think would be considered a secondary market. Albuquerque would be considered a secondary market. Um, you know, so I guess, would, do you think you can find deals in any of those markets? Yeah, I mean, I, I try and stay to the secondary markets. I'm not a fan of those tertiary markets. So I guess, like, you know, a lot of the, the markets in the Panhandle, for example, and they're in Texas, I would call tertiary markets. You know, I mean, where it's a seller's market and, you know, the tide rides all boats. And, and when there's a sign of weakness, those are the markets that are kind of going to topple down first. I know here in Washington, a lot of uh, people are trying to pitch these properties in Pasco, Washington, and you know, out in the Central Washington. And I mean, really, there's really no ec- you know, economy out there. I don't, I don't, can't really point any finger to it. Yeah. It's just riding on the coattails of Seattle. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, if I ever come across any good deals. Um, and then, I mean, just, you know, our focus is more so here in Texas, um, specifically Dallas Fort Worth. It's, it's typically, it's typically going to be someone that has, um, maybe a little smaller in size. I'm going to say 150 units or under, and it's been known for, you know, 15 plus years. And, and the person is in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and, uh, they're just ready to let it go. Cause at that, at that point, you know, there's not, there's not a ton of care that goes into the property. Um, you know, it may have an opportunity for some low flow toilets or, um, it's probably well under market rents, so on and so forth. So I think you, I guess my point was, I think you can find those deals in any market. Um, although, you know, to your point, you wouldn't want to look in, uh, like a very tertiary space where the occupancy may be, uh, maybe quite a bit lower. Um, it, even if you were in a Birmingham, I'm sure there are certain areas or pockets where occupancy is typically above 90%. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what, what right. about, I think, I think what you're kind of talking about is like, I mean, as what we're coached in our apartment mentoring group is we're looking for that 20% IR for five years, a hundred percent return. And, those deals are a needle in a haystack and exactly what you mentioned, you know, that, that, that 80 year old, you know, lady who just happens to own this 150 unit apartment and doesn't know what to do with it. 
that's been, you know, the husband who died recently, who was uh, taking painstaking care of every little nick and cranny. And I mean, those are the needle in the haystacks. And, and that's, yeah. that's kind of why, you know, at some respect, maybe it isn't the market. Yeah, you want to have that trade wind behind you, which, you know, Dallas has a great uh, trade wind behind it, but it's that you want the needle in the haystack first. Yeah, and that was actually my next question is, what do your returns look like? But to answer that, um, how, how how specifically are you finding deals now that you've kind of shifted to some of those markets like Birmingham, Atlanta? Are you just, uh, do you set time each day to call brokers? Are you making trips there? How, what does that look like? So I've got, um, you know, I've got weekly chores that I do every week, and I, I make the loop net rounds to help me build more relationships with brokers maybe I haven't seen before mm-hmm. and just kind of keep a breath on the, um, you know, I do peek back at Texas and see what's happening there and different parts of the country. But, um, you know, I've got my list of brokers. Um, I started with a CCIM list and I just kind of went down that. And, uh, you know, after talking with you on, a, on another podcast, you know, maybe I might start bringing in some of the young guns because like you mentioned, um, deals are going to come from anywhere, and you never know when that you know, the haystack is going to pop up. Yeah, right. You never know when that kid who's been working two weeks is going to call that 80-year-old lady. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so uh, I actually have a listing in Alabama, and that was the first. I've really, that was my first exposure to the market. Um, but I, I like that market, so... Um, you own you own property there, um, and obviously now looking for for apartments there. What do you you know? What can you provide a little more on Birmingham? I think some of the big uh, indicators are that it kind of put you to that market. Well, if you look at the at the statistics, uh, Birmingham their population is isn't not growing uh, leaps and bounds like Texas, but it's a very conservative uh, neighborhood. Um, you know, you got progress is slow and it's a manufacturing Mm -hmm. a lot of the um you know atlanta and and birmingham are starting to become the the new industry in america which is the manufacturing um a lot of it is you know there's some negative press out there about you know the harsh working conditions on manufacturing plants but you know that's where our country is going and to uh bring that manufacturing back to the south i mean the um I, I have always liked Birmingham because, you know, it's a very landlord friendly state. And um a lot it a lot of the people there are gonna be renting for a long time and you know, they if you can find that pocket of a good area then um I mean it's it's a great place for for a large multifamily apartment. Yeah. I've I've connected with a few different investors that are actually looking in Birmingham. Uh, you know, more secondary, obviously, but uh, definitely more stable. Um, so that's that's interesting. Uh, so last question. Um, I know you're with with a local Sumrock mentorship group um, here locally. What do you know for any first time investors that are looking to jump into real estate, maybe multifamily um, or even single family? You know, do you have any comments regarding mentorship? Is there maybe another way you might go about that, or or would you say no, go the mentorship route um, with us with a group similar to to, to um, you know what you joined here in Dallas Fort Worth? 
I think for for single-family homes, which is the prerequisite to multifamily, um, and that's what I always preach in my podcast. I mean, you don't want to go to multifamily and make mistakes if you don't even know the nuances between raising rents and what happens at that point if you haven't played around with it and made mistakes with single-family. Uh, so I think everybody needs to start with that. Um, in terms of getting a mentor for single-family, I wouldn't say you would have to pay for it. But what I did was when I got started is I just you know, jumped on biggerpockets.com and I just started calling. You know, it, It's important to call these people. Don't really go off anything in the forums. Just to, you know, call these people and start building a, a network, a web of these people you can contact so that when you do find a property and you do want to use XYZ property management in Birmingham, that you have four or five people that you can contact that will vouch for them or give you recommendations on your own. I mean, everything in real estate is also referrals. So start building that, that web. And there's, there's four levels of mentorship that, that I've heard of. Um, the, the highest level, of course, is the paid one. But below that, you have different mentors, uh, informal mentors, that you can call on a you know, biannual basis. Or you, have, you, know, you can text them here and there. And that's... If you can get enough of those people, you know, you, you may not have to pay for one. And I think for single-family homes and the prices on these things, they're not, not that high. So in some respect, they don't really warrant a ten twenty thousand $20,000 coaching price tag. So I think that's the, the better way to go. But, you know, looking back on it, I would get a mentor to walk my hand. Okay. Yeah, I was just interested to get your opinion on that. Uh, well, Lane, I appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. What's the best way for listeners uh, to connect with you? My email is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com, or you can check out the podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow, uh, on our iTunes and Google Play, and, of course, the website, simplepassivecashflow.com. Great. Blaine, again, thanks for joining us. Let me know next time you're going to be in DFW. We'd love to grab uh, lunch or connect over coffee. Uh, Look forward to doing business with you in the future. All right. Thanks, Mark.